Bruchim Aboyim B'Shem Hashem. Berach Nuchem Abeis Hashem. Welcome to tonight's shir. Tonight's shir is between Vav and other. Pashas Tetzave, Shabbos Pashas Zacher. What more can we ask for? Enough to keep us going for an hour. The hour? Probably more. But we'll keep it to an hour, Billy Nader. As we know, <coughs> the last Mimer that the Rebbe gave us, the Maimah V'yat Tzaveh. We have to, of course, take a few moments to reflect on the Maimah. Also, Vog Oder, the outside of the Rashag, Rav Shmayo Garari, Shmayo Ben Rachel Mendel, Chaim is the Shomash Now, if you are wondering, first of all, the Rebbe Fabrengd always the night after, a outside or a birthday, etc. And also, with the Rashag, it works to make tonight the Fabrengen for his yard site because the Rashag was nostalgic, was nifter on Shabbos, Shabbos Kedish. It was during Fabrengen, actually, I believe. Whatever was Fabrengen, Mishas Maisa. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe we, we found out during Fabrengen, I think. Did I believe before? I don't remember how it went. Um, quite a few years ago. I the brain doesn't work as well as it used to. The Shagun is nostalgic, and on Shabbos, the Levi was on Sunday, of course. So because he was nifted on Vav and buried on Zion, so it's only apropos to Fabreng, to have a Fabreng and to have a dedication for his yard site tonight. Anyone listening to this is looking at me and saying, Rabbi, you're slipping. The main point you're missing it's Zion other. How much more special of a day are we going to find than Zion other? The outside and the birth of Moshe Rabbeinu. Of course, we're not planning on leaving it out. As we're not reading it from the notes. So we didn't forget about Paylor should have a minig. Big yard size, they don't say Tachnon. The Yemi Lula. Yemi Lula, Sukhus Libam. They don't say Tachnon. Good for them. They get away with these interesting things. In the Babich, you're not so lucky. In the Babich, We're honored with Takhna whenever it comes up. (sighs) 
being attacked here by the internet again. The wonderful, uh, as wonderful as the internet is, it can be just the opposite sometimes. So Zion other, technically, in the belt, they want to say, not to say Tachman, obviously. We have to know that just the opposite. Svarim tell us that on Zion other, not only people say Tachnun, but people fast. Although it was his birthday, it was his Yatzat. Or in spite of, even though it was his birthday, it was still his, it was also his Yatzat. Fashat Tzavah is very novel. That, since Meish Rabbeinu, it is mentioned his birth in the Teda, all Sadras have name mention of his name. Tetzava doesn't. Yet Hashem, we'll get to that. First we want to start though with Rashag. Grari. Rabbi Grari was a very, very holy Jew. He was a holy chassid. And an interesting person to be a chassid. Why an interesting person to be a chassid? Interesting person to be a chassid because Rabbi Grari was a brother-in-law the Friedrich Rebbe. As a brother-in-law to Friedrich Rebbe, excuse me, a son-in-law by the Friedrich Rebbe. And being a son-in-law by the Friedrich Rebbe, technically, being a son-in-law by the Friedrich Rebbe, as was, as is the Rebbe, Technically, and most people would fight and vie for a position. Lamaret in practice. Let's talk practically speaking. I'm a son-in-law. You're a son-in-law. I'm a Talmud Chacham. You're a Talmud Chacham. I'm a Balmiyuchis, and you're a Balmiyuchis. I have genealogy, and so do you. <coughs> But the Rashag had a zero ego. Or that's how I guess the analysts would analyze it. Shag Khalil didn't have a zero ego. The Rashag was a simple, true Makusher. He was a connected Chosid to the Rebbe. My personal experiences with Rashag had many. As a chassan, boy, this thing, this Skype can drive a saint crazy. Could give an aspirin to a headache. Keeps going off, and I'll give an headache to a headache to an aspirin. But the di have it as they say in Russian. Aramish. To me, my personal, my most personal moment with Rashag was I was a chassan. I was due to get married in Gimel El. So my afruf, I was called to the Torah the Shabbos before, which was Shabbos Mevarchim El, the Shabbos that we blessed the new month of El. A novelty that year, at that time, I'll call upon him. 
there were 13 chasanim. I'll continue the internet here. There were 13 chasanim on Al-Qanayi Because there were 13 chasanim, Because there were 13 chasanim, all of them wanted to get alias, wanted to get called up to the Torah. The custom in Chabad is we do not make what's called Hesafes. Hesafes are added alias. We don't make Hesafes in Lubavitch. So if you have your aliyah, you have to have it from the first seven. If you don't get it in the first seven, you don't have an aliyah. Okay, we're going to have to dial the group again. And it was something that we, uh, growing up in the Babich, It was difficult to think that you're going to get married and your first your aliyah before Shabbos, the Shabbos, your afruf, your aliyah, your call up to the Torah would not be by the Rebbe. But being 13 chsanim, it was chosen by a girl, by a raffle. And the ones that won, that got into aliyahs, would get their aliyah. Now, what's the problem? 13 chsanim, there's at least uh, eight aliyahs. Eight aliyahs, and Hagba Galila already ten, and you know, you can squeeze in pretty much everybody. The problem was, it wasn't a problem, the schus that we had was, the Rebbe got maftir, every Shabbos, and the Rashad got shlishi. So there are already two aliyahs less. So this made things a little difficult. Why can't you hear? I don't know why you can't hear. Anybody else have a problem hearing this? Could you type this into over here? Let me know if you have a problem hearing. Hold on, I'm getting more texts. Okay, now they're here. Get a Blackberry. You can text in a Blackberry message, it's easier. I'll stop it. Uh, thank you. So I went to Rashag, his office on Ocean Parkway. And I went in and I said, Rabbi Gerari, I'm a chosen, and this Shabbos is my afruf. Okay, he was happy. And he says to me, what do you want? I told him, there are 13 chsanim this week. 13 chsanim, not all the chsanim get aliyahs. I want to get an aliyah. All my life, I wanted to get Aliyah by the Rebbe. Aha. I wanted my Aliyah by the Rebbe. And now all of a sudden, I'm being deprived. Something wrong with my camera now went down. Shemish Mirena, this computer today is really beautiful. It's acting up small sides. Hey, technician, can you figure out what happened to my camera? Turn on video. It's not turning on. Hey, he's supposed to turn on the video with this. It's not doing it. Anyway, so I came into the Shag's office. I told him I wanted to leave with the Rebbe. How do I do? What do I do? How am I going to go about it? And the Shag said to me, Do willst nicht mein Schlichi? You don't want my Schlichi? which I was ultimately implying, yes, I did want Hishlishi. 
Um, and I figure if he gives me his shlishi, then I don't have a problem. And I have a definite aliyah coming to me. He says, Du willst nicht my shlishi, he says. Du willst shvi. You want shvi. Because by shvi, if you're the chasen, before the shvi, if you're the chasen to get shvi, you don't go down by maftir. You stand next to the rabbi by maftir. Do zecha kriegen shvi, he told me. You'll get shvi. If not, you'll come back to me. You know, maybe we should just recall everybody. By Skype, we're going to call everybody back on Skype because this thing is giving us a problem with the camera. Hopefully it'll be light. We'll call you right back. Okay, now we can call a group. No, the camera is not lighting up. Why is the camera not lighting up? Do you ever update your Skype thing? Skype thing is updated. The problem, I know what the problem must be. I have here ten people instead of nine. Now let's see what's going to happen. Okay, I apologize this week for the technical difficulty of the Skype uh, camera, but it's not going on. We'll still keep trying here. As long as you hear the uh, sound, we're okay. And ultimately, I got Shvi. I got Shvi and I was able to stand by the Rebbe for Maftir. Out of the 13 Chassanim, there were three on the night that I got married. One here in New York, one in France. I got married in London. What's this? I don't know why this is not. I don't know what happened to my camera. You're supposed to turn the camera on? It's not turning it on. Okay, we'll have to leave it like that. What should I do? And I was there. Last night, I went to thank the Rashag again. As I do every year. Since I used to go every year to thank him physically. And I went last night to the ale. The shag is buried right next to the ale. And I met a person there that I know well. Oh, I got it back. I'm getting it back. I met a person, there we go, we're back on track. I met a person by the ale that I know well, from Williamsburg. Not from Williamsburg, he's from Belgium originally. He lives in Williamsburg, he lives all over the place. Globetrotter of a person. I don't know what kind of chassid he is, he has long payers, the bibihitl. I met him by the ale. And he says, Rabbi Hecht, what did you do? Rabbi Hecht, what are you doing here? So I told him, it's the Rashag's Yodzeit, the Rashag's Yodzeit. He says, yeah. So he says, so why, uh, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story of the Rashag, he says. He says, Oh, is this a nutnik? He has a friend who is a chazan in South Africa. He's now in Ottawa. He's 91 years old. And this man told him, when he was, the group video 
is unavailable at the moment. Try again later. This keeps coming onto this uh, screen on Skype. I hope you can hear me, though. The Rashad came to South Africa because the Rebbe sent him there. He came to Johannesburg. In Johannesburg, there was a very, very wealthy man, Sam Cohen. You can well imagine that's a very, very unpopular Jewish name. So you say, I'm looking for Sam Cohen. <laughs> They'll tell you, you mean you're looking for the Jew with the yarmulke? The only trick was, and the difference was, that the Rebbe told him not to look in Johannesburg for Sam Cohen. The Rebbe told him it was in a far off place. In South Africa, it was about three hours away. I couldn't understand the name of the place. He told me it a few times. I asked him again, what was the name of the place? I could not understand him. Oh boy, this thing is mummish closing, keeps closing and closing. Anyway, he was in Johannesburg and he asked the chazan, how do I get to this remote place? The chazan told him, it's three hours flight. The flight is a three hour flight, I understand. Rabbi, you really want to... Sh- how are you going to step for three hours? So he told him, I have to go to see Sam Cohn. So the guy started laughing. He said, Sam Cohn is here in Johannesburg. Where are you schlepping there? It's a very wealthy guy, the Sam Cohn. You can come meet him here. Why do you have to step there? Oh, everybody's having conniptions. There you are. It's one way to find you back. So Sam Cohen was in South Africa, and the Rebbe told us, the Rashag, the Rebbe's brother-in-law, to go to this remote place to see Sam Cohn. So the Chazan's trying to convince him, Rabbi, there and all the Yids, the Shlep, the Sata, it's not necessary, he lives right here. The Rashag said, nothing to talk about, I have to go there. And this thing keeps going off, going on, I don't know what to do with the internet, I don't know, this, it's Skype's problem tonight, by the way. Um, let me see, can I, uh, here, I have to add people through here. And he traveled with this guy. The person had Rahmanas on the Rashag, and he said to Rashag, I'll go with you. He wanted to see what really, it was 50% he had Rahmanas, and 50% he wanted to see how real this was. He traveled with Rashag, and they come to this remote area. No, it doesn't allow me group. Does not allow group tonight, Chavra. It's, it's, it's just driving me nuts. Now it's not li- allowing individual either. Uh, you have to listen to it later on the, online. I don't know what to say. Call failed. He comes to this town, they come into the shul, Shachris, and they ask the people in shul, no, where's Sam Cohn? We don't know Sam Cohn over here. There's no Sam Cohn here in McKenamish, we don't know him. Okay, it goes back, it goes forth. There's no Sam Cohn. Comes to Mincha, comes to Maidav, he keeps asking new people, different faces, different people. Nobody knows Sam Cohn. On the third day, they're going to Mincha. 
he's walking with Rashag. And the Rashag sees it, and a Jew walks by. The Jew walks by, and the Jew says to him, the Rebbe, he says, Shalom Aleichem Rebbe. The Shag says to him, What's your name? He says, I was walking with Ali Yamak even. And he says, My name is Sam Cohen. Aha. So he tells him, The Lubavitch Rebbe sent me to get money from you. He was so nispal that the Rebbe sent him Dafki here and not in Johannesburg to look for him. He wrote about a check for three, for a million rand, which is like three million dollars at the time, or vice versa. I don't know. It was a tremendous, tremendous amount of money. So this is the story I was able to hear last night because I went to the Ail to say thank you to the Rashag. As children, we used to go to Rashag upstairs by Shalashudis to hear him say a maima, maybe get a cup of soda from the old men. But what we were most in the spoil from the, Rabbi Rashag, from the Rashag was his bitl, his self nullification, his humbleness that he had in front of the Rebbe. He would stand. The Rebbe would say a maimah. The Rebbe would say a maimah by a fabregin, everybody stood up. There would be a nigin, a chonanigin. And during the chonanigin, towards the end of the chonanigin, everybody stood on their feet. And during the duration of the maimah, while the Rebbe was saying the maimah, nobody sat. Except for the Rebbe. On Shabbosim sometimes, the Rebbe would say what's called a maimah ke'in sicha. The maimah ke'in sicha was a maimah but instead of a nigging beforehand, it was said in the form of a sicha. Now, in such a such a case, nobody stood up, except for the rashag. If the Rebbe was saying chsidus of such depth as a maima, the, Rebbe, the rashag stood. love to spend all night explaining the concept of a chosid of his kashas, of the greatness that the, that the Rashag understood as a son-in-law and as a chosid how he understood the greatness of a maimah the kedusha of a maimah, the holiness the sanctity of a maimah But that's not what we're going to do tonight. Schusay yoga eleno, as we would say. His schus should protect over us. Zayin other. The yard site of Meshra Benu. The parasha that we learned this week, it's known the Balaturim right in the beginning of the parasha because it says Ve'ata Tetzava. It doesn't say Vaidava Shem Moshe. It says Ve'ata, and you should command. And the Balaturim writes Lehiskir Moshe B'Zaseder. Moshe is not mentioned here. Ma'ashenki Mekala Chumish, but on the rest of the Chumish he is mentioned from when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, and the reason is. Because Moshe says to God, when God said, I'm going to destroy the Jewish nation, because they sinned with the golden calf, the Cheta Egel, Moshe says to the Ebeshter, Erase me from the Sefer which you have written, which we will discuss next week. And therefore, says the Balaturim, the Klolos Chochem Afilo Al Tanai Bov and Iskayim The curse of a Chochem, even on condition, comes about, comes to fruition, and we find, as we do in this place, that Moshe actually was 
wiped out from the Sefer of God in this Pasha. We find this concept in many different Svarim. And the Shaklavatari that comes about, the different discussion, the debate that goes back and forth. In the explanation of the words from your Sefer though that Moshe says referring to the entire Teda the Ram explains the Kavana of Rashi what is the intention that Rashi has here the intention of Rashi from everything else in the Teda that's about to be written because he was commanded already on Hasinai to write according to the order of the Tera. And therefore he refers to the rest of the Tera. The Gur'ariya explains, and he adds to this, that what is the intention of Tera? According to the way it's written by God. In other words, what God already had what was already written. Just like the Tera till now was written with a black fire on a white fire, Like Rashi explains in the Pashas Vizayis HaBracha. Oh, this thing is maddening. Absolutely maddening. And the debate, the debate goes on and on. It goes on and on to an extent that it's quite hard to grasp what the Abishnah took us, what Moshe referred to when he said Mesifrecha, Mir Sefer. The question is when he says that erase me from your entire Tera, why is it that Tafka Tetzava was chosen? Now there's a question, there's a discussion as to when was Pashas Tetzava said. Was Tetzava said before or after Kisisa? In Kisisa, in essence, we find the story that takes place now with with the golden calf. And as it says about the golden calf, in the go- after the sin, Moshe says, erase me from your part, from your Torah. If it goes according to the order that the Tzava, as we see, is written first and then Kisisa, which is will be read next week, then it makes sense to say last week's parsha, the first parsha that just that just was written, the last one that was just written. But according to the opinion that the Tzava was said before my Eagel, before the story, sorry. Only according to that, this opinion, it goes upon according to Kisava. But according to the opinion that says that the Tzava is written after the story of Cheta Egel, it was only read, is only told in Kisisa, and we know Ein Mukdam Mukhabatera. There's no earlier or later in the Tera. Then why was it he's chosen Dafka this Pasha not to be not to be mentioned? So generally, the discussion is the reason that it's mentioned in this parasha, that it's left, his name is omitted in this parasha, is because he dies, usually, his Yad Zayin El, Zayin Adar, 
usually it comes out the week of Fashat Tetzave. So since the yard site is during that week, so therefore we leave the name, his name is left out from here. Because generally, it doesn't make sense to erase from the prior parsha, which is already written. Don't write my name again. If it doesn't, Uh, the ben- general gist of what goes on here is that because, though, it is his yard site, and therefore, this parasha was chosen to have his name omitted. But that also doesn't always make sense because we also know that Zion, El- Zion as we mentioned before, is also his birthday. So, and it should be then it should be a better reason, or all the more reason, to mention his name. So that's why we put together two reasons, actually. One is because it's red during his yard site, which is Zion other. And the other being because he had mentioned it at this, at this juncture of time. Now the truth of the matter is that we will see later in Dvarim, Ekev Rei, Sheftim, Tetzai, Nitzavim, Moshe's name is also not mentioned. So we have to see, therefore, what we went when Moshe cursed and said, don't put my name in your book, take my name out. The ones that were there, ready, the Chayr, are the ones that he mentioned that he was referring to that should be taken out. The beginning of the parasha, it doesn't really, Moshe's name doesn't really have to fit into the parasha. It's only towards the end of the parasha when the Eivish starts talking about the Mizbeach Hazal, which is a new Amida, another, a new line that the Eivish is starting to, a new concept that the Eivish is trying to institute now, a new thing in the Beis Hamikdash, in the Mishkan. Only at this point should it have said Vaidab Hashem again. So why is it taka that this is not mentioned here? And so that's where we see Only here do we find that it's relevant that his name was actually taken out because here's a point where his name should have been mentioned where the, another issue was being brought about unlike the Big Day Kahuna. We see a hint to the fact that Moshe is not mentioned in this week's parasha, in that parasha ki tetzava has 101 psukim. is gematria tetzava. And since he said, mecheni no Asher Kosafta. Asher is Gematria. Sorry, it's not 101. Titzav is Gematria Asher. She has 501. As is Titzav. And therefore, when he said, Kasafta, he chose the parish of Titzav by using the word Asher. Because would be the proper uh, diktuk, the proper grammar. Also, he says, "In Malochi I'm going to send my angel before you." And when Nevish says, "I'm going to destroy the Jewish nation," I'm going to send the Malochi to instead of myself, instead of me going, I'm going to send my angel. Malachi is also Gematria 101, which is the amount of psukim that we have in the Tzaveh. 
which is also Malachi and Michol are the same letters interchanged. And the idea again being the punishment for the golden calf and the punishment for what Moshe says. Well, um, before we go to the Maimavat and Tzave, Pasha talks, as we just said, to Tzave all of a sudden, <coughs> after talking of the garments of the Kahanim, Changes over and talks about Vesisim is Beach Miktektedis. Farshim asks, How did this fall out of Truma? <laughs> Coming up now to Purim, Kedish other is Purim, the Megillah, the many Megillah Purim Tedis on the Megillah. One of the most famous Megillah Purim Tedis on the Megillah. It says, "V'noyach me'evehem." They rested from their enemies. So everybody right away asks, "Where did Noyach get to the Megillah? How does Noyach come to the Megillah?" And the answer is because. Because the Bnei Haman were looking for a stick long enough, a tree, a branch, something long enough to hang Marachai. Where are they going to find that? They knew that Nayach was building a teva and he had a long enough wood. So they came to Nayach and they said, we need the wood. And he said, for what? He said, to hang Marachai. He said, I'm not giving it to you. This is all the great Purim Tairus of yesteryear when we were the children. So a tug of war ensued. Haman and his ten sons against Nayak and his three sons. Nayak's sons fell off and Nayak held on for dear life and got slept into the Megillah. That's how Nayak came to the Megillah. We're in the middle of a shear over here, so I don't know who's on the phone, but if you can call back after ten, please. At least he heard a nice Purim Tehra. The question is, where did the Mizbeach Hazal fall out of Teruma and into the Tzavah? Teruma is talking about all the Kalim, and the Tzavah is talking about the Begadim, the clothes. The Rebbe answers, according to Drush, perhaps we can say, this Pshat, Remez, Drush, and Said, we know, there are four different ways of learning Tehra. Not, we've elaborated many times. You can go back to archives or a different time we'll elaborate on it again. For right now, just the drush, the actual way of learning open value, excuse me, the to delve into it slightly. The Mizbeach Azov was different than any other vessel in the entire Besamid, the entire Mishkan or Besamidash. By every other thing it says that a Kayan did not do by himself. Any other Aved, any other service in the Besamikdash, in the Ayal Mayid, no Kayan did alone. There was always somebody with him. Avedis, but the Mizbeach Hazov, the bringing the incense on the Mizbeach, it was usher for anyone to go inside. Except for that Kayan that was doing it, nobody else was allowed in. Pasuk says, No person will be there. The Gemara Yerushalmi tells us, Even the, those creations that it says had faces of a person, referring to angels, they also were told to leave the premises. 
No one could be an Eil Mayed except for the Koyen doing the actual Ketedis and God. And therefore the Mizbeach Hazov is now brought in a separate, total separate entity from all the other vessels of the Mizbeach, of the Bishkin, of the Eil Mayed. So much so that it's in a different portion of the Teda. Because the main service here in the Eil Mayed the highest level was when a person serves God directly himself. And this is done only between Kayan and God. This is what the Pasuk is trying to teach us here. That the completion, the full service that a person has for God, a person can only do by himself, he cannot do it with other people around him. Because when someone does something with other people around him and just for people to read and people to see and people to hear and people to know about, there's always a suspicion that the person is trying to get honor or fame. But the Rebbe says, no, this was done that only the person in the Abish knew about it. Let me go revert again to the same story of the rabbi that played golf on the Kippah. He got 18 holes in one, and the angel said, what did you do? He says, who's he going to tell it to? He had to keep it between him and God. Oh, similarly, by the Mizbeach it says, each and every one of the Jews had to do in his heart, it says, the kol echad Yisrael, has to make within himself a dwelling place and a home for God. And therefore, the, from here we learn, like Chassidus explains how each part of the body has a service to God. How the sacrifices, each and every one of the persons has to sacrifice, has a, his askus, has involvement, for the sake of heaven alone, to bring them up to Kedusha, by bringing Behemah Gashmias, a physical animal, and then the Rebbe goes on to compare the different parts, this is Mizbech HaPnimi, this is Mizbech HaChitzen, the Rebbe says you have to learn a tremendous lesson from this, how a person serves God, there's a Mizbeach HaPnimi that each and every person has, each and every Jew has, and that's the feelings of a person. The insides of his hearts, they have to be to serve God Himself, with no outside elements being mixed in. And then we have the service of the physical things, that has to be from Mizbeach HaChitzen, the outside of the heart. But the inside, the inner parts, the inner thoughts have to only be devoted to God. The Maimavat Tzaveh The Rebbe begins to explain the concept of the Tzaveh you have commanded, you are to command Bnei Yisrael and they should take unto you to Meisha the shaman Zayazach, it doesn't mention his name, Moshe just tells him you, the pure oil, that is ground out from the, for lighting the Meneda, for lighting of the Neir Tabit, questions right away arise, why did Tzav and not the word Tzav? Why was it taken to Moshe and not to anyone else? Not to Aaron Akayin, who had to actually do this. If Moshe was the one that's the connector between God and the Jews, why does he have to be told that you should tell this? Also, why did the oil have to be brought to, we said, to brought to Mesha? And it says, Shemen, 
Kosis Lamer. It would have been enough to say Shemin Lahoyer. Also, we have to understand it says Me'erevat Beiker, and here it says Lahalo is Ner Tomid. Then the Rebbe goes on to bring down different things from the Friedrich Rebbe. One of the main points here, the main objective in the beginning of the Maimah, the Rebbe explains that B'nai Yisrael are the feet and Meshra B'nai is the head. And the feet carry the head to their destination. The head cannot go, cannot achieve, cannot reach to a destination. Um... cannot reach to a destination without the feet taking him there. There's this famous story, Reb Marash. A chassid who had a daughter that married an antagonist, a misnagid, not a chassid. And she asked, they all asked, at least goes to the rabbi for a bracha before they get married. He did not like the idea, he did not want the idea, he did not want to do it, he did not want the involvement in it. But, he went resentfully. They got married a year later. They had a beautiful baby boy. Called him Shmulik. Shmulik started developing beautifully. After about six months, all of a sudden, his legs went limp. He wasn't moving his legs. They got worried. They got concerned. They went from doctor to doctor, and doctor to doctor, specialist to specialist, professor to professor, and they all said the same thing unanimously, that the child's feet are paralyzed. He'll never walk. What it was, nobody could explain, obviously. The wife begged and pleaded that he went to the Rebbe and he refused to go. The man was a wealthy man, though. And I'm not sure they had other children throughout the course of the years. But the boy was about 16 years old. Now, that th- those days, 16 years old, the boys were already getting married. child was... A very good-hearted child, a bright child, and everything else. Extremely weak. But worse than anything else was he had no no use of his legs. And as much as the wife begged and pleaded, the fellow refused to go to the rabbit to ask for Abraham. At 16, she just couldn't take any longer. She started to scream and to yell and to beg and to plead. And he acquiesced, and he decided he would go and travel to the Rebbe, to Rebbe Marash, to ask Rebbe Racham. And as he came into the Rebbe Marash, the Rebbe said, you were here 17 years? He was shocked, he was in awe, looking at the holiness of the Rebbe. The Rebbe said, you were here 17 years ago by me. Come, sit, tell me, how's your wife? How's your family? This melted any kind of anger and hatred that he had, animosity. And he immediately came inside and he started to cry and to beg and to plead for the Rebbe should help him about his child. And the Rebbe told him, I have a recommendation for him. said, yeah, time for him to get married. He looked at the Rebbe bewildered and perplexed. Married? child is, a, is an invalid. Lies in bed, can't do anything. Let me get married. The Rebbe told him, listen, I'm sure you know of an orphan girl, has no parents, 
She has nobody else anyway in the world. I'm sure you can convince her with enough gifts, enough promises of how you're going to take care of her, and you're going to support her and everything else. And she'll agree. And that was it. That was the end of the Achilles. man walked out, perplexed and bewildered. But as he left the door, it hit him and occurred to him, <laughs> of course he knows an orphan girl. He's raising an orphan girl in his house. There was Nebuchadnezzar, an orphan, had no parents. And him being a wealthy fellow, took them in. She was a stickle maid, like, and everything in the house, but she was an orphan Jewish girl. And he took the girl in. And said, so now, he went to Minsk and he bought a few gifts. Some nice gifts, like the Rebbe said. And he came home to the orphan girl. And he came to the girl... And he offered her the gifts and he told her this what's going on and he told her that what he wanted, what he needed. And the girl said, fine. She knows the boy well enough. She knows him long enough. She's agreeing. And lo and behold... An agreement was drawn up, and they were done, they were set. A date was set for the chasana. The cooking was going on in the house. The house was being cleaned. A few days before the chasana, the boy is lying in his bed, and the aromas are coming from the kitchen. Succulent meats, you can taste them in the air. And he says to his mother, "Mama, bring me a piece of meat, please." She was shocked. He hasn't eaten meat all his life. The time that he tried to eat meat on a Shabbos, because that's what he's supposed to do, he throws it up. He re- his body rejects it. That's why he's so weak. He says, please. And he's begging and he's pleading until she agreed finally to bring him a piece of meat. And he ate the meat. And he started telling his mother something very strange. I'm feeling a sensation in my legs. And he kept eating day after the few days before the wedding. And they were able to walk him, holding him up to the chuppah. And in the end, he was on his feet. So we see that the Rebbe's bracha was directed because the fellow, unfortunately, did not come to the Rebbe's bracha properly in the beginning. The child's feet were affected. And ultimately, through the Rebbe's bracha, the child's feet were saved. And this is the concept of the feet take the head, as the, the head, the Kedal Yisrael, Bnei Yisrael, take the head, the Meshach Rabbeinu, and they take him and they walk him and they take him from place to place. And this is the concept of kosis, says the Rebbe. That the oil is purified and elevated. And we have the, the concept of Mesha in each and every generation. And Mesha being the Raya Mehemna. And as we spoke that this is Mesha Rabbeinu's Yahatzai tonight. He is the leader he is the shepherd of the Jewish nation. And therefore, his chus will be taken as Mesha Gal, Mesha was Gael Rishon, Mesha Gael Achrein. And as the Rebbe explains in many, many different Maimorim and Chsidis, how Mesha is the first redeemer, and Mesha will be the ultimate redeemer. And therefore, we should take and see in the chus of Mesha Rabbeinu. Of his birthday, Mazoli gave it. On the birthday of a person, the mazel of the person shines. And therefore, on his birthday, we should see and be zecha to take the geula, the geul achri, the geula amitus vashlema tonight, 
And we should go out of this gullus, this bitter, bitter gullus. There should be vatsenaleches between us and God. And we should know that everything that we do in service has to be bipnim. Not with chitzenius, not to try to impress others, not to try to involve others, not to try to become something for others, but to do it for us and between us and the Eibishta. And the Eibishta should answer in Malay Hashem called Mishali Sabino the Teva. Skusu Yagalainu from the Rashag, Skusu Yagalainu from Eshadabinu. And we should go out of Golas this very night. Amen.